You'll never grow and you'll never go any further unless you step out. Well, I don't know if they've got the picture up yet. They've got the picture up, Haley. There we go. Cool. There's my helmet of salvation. <laughs> I don't know if anyone recognises that, but that's the Mandalorian. And yes, I've used this is the way. So when I say that, I want to hear you guys say this is the way. Okay? So for those who don't know the Mandalorian, it's a mini-series that some of us watch, but um, they usually say this is the way when they're making a point or a statement, and they'll go, this is the way, meaning that's it. There's no other way. And then the other person will say, this is the way, as an agreement. So it's just kind of a fun thing to do. So if you'd like to play along, I'd appreciate it. <laughs> you know, I, ju I just want to say that, uh, you know, Jesus is the reason why I'm here, eh? If I didn't have Jesus in my life, I wouldn't be standing here. I wouldn't be speaking. I have no idea where I'd be, but it wouldn't be anywhere good. I know that. You know, we just heard a powerful testimony. There's so many of them sitting here. Testimonies of healings, of addictions, all gone. We've had a guy sit there get a whole lung healed, eh? Remember that, Richard Bennett, no lung. Had a whole lung removed, surgically removed, and God healed it and gave him a new one. That's medically proven. That's our God. We've seen legs grow when Western Carrier come here. How many have ever seen that? Feet corrected, cancer gone. I remember being in here, and we, there was a group of us under Brent. And we all prayed for this little girl in a wheelchair. We found out later on she got healed. Cancer gone, out of the wheelchair. Just because you pray for someone and you don't hear about it doesn't mean it didn't happen. And just because you pray for someone and nothing happens doesn't mean it's your fault. As long as you're obedient and do what Jesus says to do. Because Jesus believes in us. Jesus has so much faith in us, it's ridiculous. So faith is the way. This is the way. Come on now, you're still asleep. <laughs> All right, let's go to Mark 11, 23. This is the way. <laughs> and now you've just been smart. All right, just because of that, can, I, can you read that scripture out? Do you have your Bible here? <laughs> yeah. That's all right, I'll read it. It's okay. Okay, Mark 11, 23. For assuredly, I, this is Jesus talking. For assuredly, I say to you, whoever says to this mountain, be removed and be cast into the sea, and does not doubt in his heart, but believes those things he says will be done, he will have whatever he says. You know, this is what Jesus believes you can do. This is what he thinks you can do. He knows you can do this. Why would he say it? Remember, Jesus only spoke what he heard the Father speak. So he's not lying. You know, when uh, God created Adam and Eve, he gave them authority. Gave them dominion over the world, over everything. Then he gave them free will, which is one of the greatest gifts God's given us, one of them. Free will, a freedom of choice. To choose to serve God or to choose to live our own life. And that got me thinking, and that's why God put the tree of knowledge in the Garden of Eden. Because if he didn't, how could they exercise free will? How could they exercise a gift that is given? What's the point of giving a gift if you can't use it? So he put the tree there and says, do not touch it because bad things are going to happen. 
It's mine. Just leave it. This little thing is mine. Everything else is I've given you. They couldn't help themselves. We know Satan deceived them. We know they did it and there were consequences. But then God gave something even more powerful than the free will. Faith. He's given each and every single person in this room, on this planet, the ability to have faith. You can't see it. You can't touch it. And I would even argue you can't even feel it. Because faith's not based on emotions. It's something different. It's a, it's a huge, greater force. Remember, God created us through faith. God is faith. He said, let there be light. He spoke and there was light. He told the Holy Spirit to move and the Spirit moved. It's all words. Absolute faith. That's what he said, that we've been made in his image. We've inherited his qualities. We are his children. We've just got to stop thinking otherwise. We've inherited so much. See, as a Christian, we're so powerful, we just don't realize it. I kind of digress, but I'll go back. So we know this is what Jesus thinks of us. I know that we don't think we can do it. The secular world definitely doesn't think you can have faith to move a mountain. And even some of the church world thinks you can't. Unfortunately, it's true. But this is what Jesus believes you can do. You see, if you're still waiting for God to heal you, all you're doing is climbing that mountain. If you're waiting for God to change something in your life, all you're doing is climbing that mountain and suffering. In fact, you're causing yourself more suffering than you should. Yes, we suffer for the name of Jesus, but this is unnecessary suffering. You're climbing a mountain that you've been told you can move out of the way. You see, if you, you, Jesus didn't make you a mountain climber, eh? He made you a mountain dissolver. Did he not? Why would he say that? He told us where to put those mountains, eh? Now, obviously, I'm not talking about a physical mountain, but sometimes things in life, can, we have problems that face us or healings that we need, and they can feel like a mountain. And that we've, we feel like we've got to continually do something to get rid of it. How many people have a sickness they can't, a doctor cannot solve? And they've gone through every process to find it. If there is no Jesus and no God, then there is no hope. Sometimes people need to go through all of that to get to hope. Hey. So stop trying to climb that mountain. Move that mountain. Cast it into the sea. Your healing is on the other side. Your family being saved is on the other side. Your miracle is on the other side. If you try and climb over there to get there, you'll never get the other side. In fact, you'll be in the grave before that even happens. This is the way. Thank you. Pastor Peter gets it. He's sharp, right? <laughs> so you can keep believing your healing will come, your miracle will come, but that's, that's just climbing the mountain because you're putting your faith in the future when it was never meant for the future. Faith was meant now. Faith has the ability to create a future, but faith is now. And then Jesus goes on to say, and does not doubt in his heart. Does not doubt in his heart. How many of us get doubts in our head? All the time. Do you know that means nothing? He's not talking about your head. 
He's talking about your heart. So how does, how does doubt get into your heart? I'll tell you how. By the power of the tongue. When you speak it out. Evie reminded me of that the other day. I said something and she goes, Dad, don't say that. Yeah. But you know, it's funny. Jesus said that we need to have faith, childlike faith. And I mentioned this in the service this morning. They, they did an, a, a test and they asked two groups. They asked a, a group of adults and a group of children a question and they gave them a puzzle and said, see, they wanted to see what the answers were. So they said, here's a picture of a giraffe in a fridge. Now how do you get the giraffe in the fridge? So what did the adults do? They analysed it. I mean, oh, there's all sorts of problems. Giraffe's too big, fridge is too small, we'll have to do this and this and that. When they asked the kids, the kids said, just open the door and put it in. That might seem silly, but it's not. They don't see a problem. Why do we see problems? Faith doesn't see the problem. Faith sees the solution. Be solution-minded. We're not perfect. I'm not perfect. I mean, I lost my marbles yesterday <laughs> over this message. I was really struggling. But I put my faith in God and said, I'm still going to come here today. I put my faith and I'm relying on God to do something because I'm putting my faith in it. That's it. It is not based on my bad mood or my good mood or my confidence or my fear or anything. It's based on his word. That's it. Simple. People complicate the gospel too much. They complicate faith too much. Oh, you need to do 12 steps to get faith. No, you flippin' don't. Every single one of you who are born again just used faith. That's your learning right there. End of story. Don't complicate it. So Hebrews 11, 1, 3 says, Now faith is the substance of things hoped for, the evidence of things not seen, for by it the elders obtained a good testimony. By faith we understand that the worlds were framed by the word of God, so that the things which are seen were not made of things which are visible. So that first part, it says, now faith is. Now faith is. Faith is now. We don't use our faith for the future. If your faith is in the future, I think you'll find you just keep waiting. Stop waiting. Stop waiting for God to turn up. He's already here. This is whether you believe it or not. You know, Jesus said, you know, Jesus said, I'll send the helper, the Holy Spirit, and he will be with you always, whether you feel him or not. And he's also the spirit of truth. So you, every single one of us, know exactly what God's doing. It's just whether you've asked or listened. Never, God doesn't keep us in the dark. You want, to, you want to know what's going on in the service? You want to know who needs a word? Ask the Holy Spirit. How many of you ask the Holy Spirit to teach you to listen to him? Jesus said he's the teacher. He's here to help. How many of you sat down in a quiet spot and said, Holy Spirit, teach me to listen to you? You don't need a hundred preaching messages to learn how to listen to the Holy Spirit. You've got to do it yourself. We all listen to the Holy Spirit differently. We have impressions, small, still voice. It's all there. Visions, dreams. It's just whether you're listening and acting on it. Because I tell you now, if God's talking to you and you do nothing, that voice will get quieter because you're doing nothing with it. You know, you'll just keep waiting. There's an example, and I've shared this before, of Wigglesworth when he prayed for this lady 
who had this huge growth on her face, she received prayer. Now, she, her faith was, was incredible because she, she decided and listened to the word. She said, I'm healed. But everyone was looking at her going, no, you're not. You've got this huge growth on your face. She walked around for a year like that. Every day she says, I am healed. I've received my healing. I'm already healed. It's a done deal. I don't care what's on my face. According to God's word, I'm healed. After a year, that thing disappeared. But did it surprise her? No, it didn't. She already knew in her heart from day one. Now, if she spoke out and said, oh, it's still there, it's never going to go away, you've just cancelled out your faith. Your faith. You've put doubt in your heart. But she didn't have doubt in her heart. No doubt she had doubts in her head every time she looked in the mirror. She never spoke it out. Bet you she didn't. Convinced herself. Now it goes on to say the substance of things hoped for. This faith is now, faith is, now is faith and the substance of things hoped for. See, it's hope that births faith. We receive hope when we heard the good news, the gospel. That's how you received hope. Jesus gives hope. That's what the whole point is. The church is here to give hope in a lost and dying world where there is no hope. That's our job. Our job is to give hope to those who have none. Out of that hope, that's where faith is birthed. You've got something to believe in. This is the way. There. <laughs> See, it's when you acted on that hope that turned into faith. Faith's an action. You all did it. The ones that have given their heart to Jesus. That was your mountain you moved out of the way. We all had a mountain before we came to Jesus. It was that mountain blocking us to God. That was that mountain where we couldn't know God, know who he was. But you moved it when you believed with ease. Did you not? So why haven't we carried it on? A lot of Christians stop right there. They just have enough faith to get saved and that's it. But we're not designed for that. That's just the beginning. God's given us so much more. He's given us authority, healing, spiritual gifts, power, the power to change lives, to change the world. It's all in us. It lives in us. Up to you what you want to do with your faith. You have free will. You can decide. See, when you heard God's word, you heard about Jesus. You heard about that Jesus heals. You heard Jesus saves and you also heard about his grace but then you've also maybe you never heard of jesus but then you heard someone's testimony how powerful is our testimony the bible talks about using your testimony the power of the testimony someone else's freedom or healing is on the other side of that testimony when someone hears personally from you out of your own mouth to say hey yeah jesus healed me completely healed me look at this i'm healed that'll birth hope in someone else who's looking for the same thing that's preaching the gospel, is sharing your testimony. It's about sharing what God's done for you. It's not about standing on a soapbox and Bible bashing people. That's never worked. It just puts people off. That's not who God is. I hope you all realize you know, that God does, you know, that as a church, you know that we're not meant to judge. That's not our job. It's not my job to judge you. That's not what we're called to do. So if you've got any judgment in your life, get rid of it. 
because you'll end up just being religious. And there's nothing worse than a religious spirit. Nothing worse. Even Jesus couldn't deliver them of that because it's a decision they've made. It's not, it, yeah. Don't let judgment get in the way. Don't make a judgment. Thank you, Lord. Right, so we know that the substance of things hoped for. So we know it's hope that births faith. Let's have a look at an example in the Bible and the Gospels. In Matthew 9, it talks about a guy that was paralysed. Now, it sounds like he had no faith at all, but his friends heard about Jesus. They heard the word. And when I say that, remember, the Bible says that the word was made flesh, which is Jesus. So when they heard Jesus speak, they were hearing the word. They didn't have a Bible. We do. We're lucky. We've got a Bible. We can go through all his teachings. They didn't. But they heard that there was a guy who said he was the son of God and he was going around healing the sick. So they thought, oh, they had hope for their friend. Their friend had no faith. They did. So they took him. They carried him and they took him to where Jesus was preaching and healing and they couldn't get into the place that was so full. There was their mountain. They could have gone, oh, we'll go home, we'll come back, but he might not have been there the next day. How are we going to get in? They didn't even flinch. You know what they did? They climbed up, made a hole, lowered him down, and you know what Jesus said? He said, I saw your, their faith, not the guy that needed healing. He saw their faith and said, you are healed. He was healed because he had four friends that cared about him enough, that heard a message, had hope, and acted on it. That's why it's important... We look after each other. We all have our down moments. We all sometimes need someone else's faith. It's, it's why we have church. It's the fellowship. Is it not? It's very quiet in here. This is the way. It is the way. There is no other way. Show me another way. There is none. So if you have faith to be saved, then you have faith to be healed. If you have any inkling of hope, whether you're a Christian or not, you have enough to be healed. This is whether you believe on that hope, if you act out on that hope. The question is, are you reminding yourself of that hope that was originally instilled in you? Are you feeding your spirit? What I mean by feeding your spirit is that, Now I've mentioned this before, we are made up of flesh but what happens when we give our heart to Jesus is our spirit comes alive our inner, our real person inside of us the spirit, there's a spiritual realm we all know there's a spiritual realm it all comes alive to us so what are you feeding your spirit or your flesh because whatever you're feeding is stronger than the other you know you feed your flesh, it's always going to overcome your spirit, you feed your spirit you eventually overcome your flesh is it not? Logically, hey, if you don't feed yourself, you start to starve. You need to starve the flesh. It gets in the way all the time. Doesn't mean you're condemned, no. It just means you've got something to learn and do. Don't give in to condemnation. It's a horrible thing. You're not condemned. You're the just. All right? And it's really important... Like I said before, if you have that hope or if you have any inkling of faith, is to step out. Practice it. If you feel like God's saying, go pray for that person, you don't know who they are, just do it. 
you'll soon learn whether it was from God or not, but you've learned something. Okay, that wasn't the Holy Spirit this time. How will you ever learn? It's trial and error, isn't it? We're not perfect. I mean, these famous people, the people that are billionaires, you know, you ask them. They've failed a thousand times before they got where they went. Don't be afraid of failure. Don't be afraid of rejection. You know? It was like the first time you preached, eh? <laughs> you were nervous as, weren't you? But you stepped out. Look where you are now. Same with you, Pastor Matt. Look where you are now. You stepped out. Pastor Lisa and Pastor Robin. This church wouldn't be here if Pastor Don and Pastor Robin didn't act out on their faith. This whole building is birthed out of faith. Is it not? Your faith. See, God believes in us. Jesus believes in us. He's just waiting for us to believe back. It's the way it works. It's the only way God operates is through faith. It doesn't work any other way. You know, it's faith that got you to this point, so don't let it stop there. Keep going. You know, we, like I said, we're not perfect. You only have to read the Bible. There's many examples of, like, Abraham and all that. None of them were perfect. But they were great men and women of God, eh? They went to achieve great things for God. Look, let's take Peter, for example. I like Peter, because this is the guy who God actually gave him a revelation that he is the Son of God. And that's when Jesus said, well... That's the rock I'm going to build my church on. But this is the guy that denied Jesus three times later on in front of him. He hung out with Jesus. He learned everything from Jesus. He had a revelation of who Jesus was, but he denied him three times. And he felt so ashamed, he went back to fishing. Went, stuff it, I'm going back. And so did the other disciples. What did Jesus do? Jesus came back and stood on the shore and called out to Peter. So what, Peter had a choice. This is where your free will comes into it. He could have sat there in his pity party and Jesus would have just left him, but Jesus was holding his hand out. Peter decided, no, I'm going to get back up. I'm going to take the Lord's hand. And look what happened. Look what happened with Peter. He grew. He learned something out of that, didn't he? His faith got stronger. He started the church. Don't ever give up. Ever. Too many Christians I've seen, even in this place, give up. And look where they are now. Lost. In a terrible state. Because they've lost the light. They've lost their light. They can get it back any time. Because the Bible says, God never leaves us nor forsakes us. Never. That's the word never. means never, eh? You can decide... But God ain't leaving you, no matter what you decide. I find that encouraging. Luke uh, 8, 42 to 48. I'll read this out. As Jesus was on his way, the crowds almost crushed him, and a woman was there who had been subject to bleeding for 12 years. But no one could heal her. She came up behind him and touched the edge of his cloak, and immediately her bleeding stopped. Who touched me, Jesus asked. When they all denied it, Peter said, Master, the people are crowding and pressuring against you. But Jesus said, Someone touched me. I know that power has gone out from me. Then the woman, seeing that she could not go unnoticed, came trembling and fell at his feet in the presence of all the people and, told, and she told why she had touched him and how she had been instantly healed. Then he said to her, Daughter, your faith healed you. Go in peace. Your faith. 
What do we know about this woman? She had an issue for 12 years. She was climbing a mountain for 12 years. She suffered for 12 years. Tried everything. Everything. She really had it up against her. Because in Jewish law in those times, she was declared unclean. And because she was declared unclean, she was barred from being present at temple or any religious ceremony, meaning it's like us banning someone from church. This is the thing she was suffering with. She couldn't even go to her local priest. They weren't even going to help her because she was seen unclean. In fact, if she had touched anyone, they also became unclean. But she heard about Jesus. After trying everything, she finally hears some hope, a glimmer. Never met the guy, just heard. Heard through the grapevine that there's a guy going around healing people. He's the son of God. She heard the word, and hearing of the word brings faith. She had hope. So she acted on her hope. Even with all those obstacles in front of her, even though she's not allowed to be in front of pe- around people, she can't touch them, but what did she do? She pushed through the crowd. And all she, she had so much faith that she, only, she believed that all she needed to do was just touch the hem. Her faith drew on that power and healed her. She acted on her faith in Jesus. She could have kept climbing that mountain, but she used her faith and she moved that mountain out of the way. She didn't let anything stop her. What's stopping you? We have it a lot easier than they did back then, eh? Just remember, we all have faith, just like when you act upon it when you heard the good news. All right, let's move on. Ephesians 6, 11, 16. This is Paul talking to the Ephesians. Put on the whole armor of God that you may be able to stand against the wiles of the devil. For we do not wrestle against flesh and blood, but against principalities, against powers, against the rulers of darkness of this age, against spiritual hosts of wickedness in the heavenly places. Therefore take up the whole armor of God that you may be able to withstand in the evil day, having done all to stand. Stand therefore, having girded your waist with truth, having put on the breastplate of righteousness, having shod your feet with the preparation of the gospel of peace, above all taking the shield of faith, which you will be able to quench all the fiery darts of the wicked one. Above all, take the shield of faith. Uh, above all of that. There is a spiritual battle going on and it's starting to manifest. There is, it is black and white. It's good and bad. It doesn't matter what political party you're affiliated with or what group you're affiliated with. It's good or bad. End of story. Okay? In fact, the way I'm seeing it, there's no point getting involved with that mess in the world right now because all that's doing is causing division, and that's the whole point. That's how a small minority can control is division because they're too busy fighting amongst each other. Once everyone's awake and united, they're in trouble. Big trouble. Same with the church. The church is divided. We have a Catholic church down the road who believes slightly different to what we do. When is the church going to be united? I believe it's our job to do that. Maybe we've got to show a bit of grace towards others. Hmm? Maybe we're going to be the ones to put the olive branch out. Because united together, we're so much stronger. 
Anyway, I don't know where I was going with it. <laughs> so we should put on the whole armor of God, but don't forget your shield because it's faith that shields you. See, soldiers don't go to war without their shields, eh? Back in the old days, they literally had a big shield. And in today's modern warfare, they have, um, you know, bulletproof vests and armor on their vehicles. They don't go into battle without it. So as a Christian, faith is our protective vest. It's the glue that holds all the armor that Paul's talking about. So would you ever not wear it knowing you're under attack? We're always under attack. So you should always be wearing it. You shouldn't, faith is 24-7, eh? Let's look at it a different way. Let's take the breastplate of righteousness that Paul's talking about. So, 2 Corinthians, says for, 2 Corinthians 21 says, For he made him who knew no sin to be sin for us, that we might become the righteousness of God in him. There's your breastplate of righteousness. There's your scripture you can stand on. There's your glue that will hold it to you. Because when the devil will come along, the first thing he's going to do is try and condemn you to make you feel you're unworthy and you're not righteous. But that's when you put up your shield of faith and go, no, no, the word says this, that I am the righteousness of God. End of story. Dark quenched. See you later. You don't have to get into a long argument. You just point out the word. He's got no argument against that. That's your breastplate of righteousness and you use your faith on it. That's how it works. Simple. So we put on the righteousness of God because the word says that we become the righteousness of God. And we know that's what the devil does. He points, points your weaknesses out, your failing, and tells you you're not good enough. So like I said, you just stop that and all those accusations, you make, you make a stand. You say, no, the word says I am the righteousness of God. You fortify your ground, you resist. You don't give an inch. Your armour is a revelation and knowledge of the word. It's faith that holds it all together. Without faith, your armour falls apart. So the first armour you get is your helmet of salvation. It's up to you to start building the rest, eh? That's why we have church. That's why we have life groups, you know. We need to mingle with each other and talk about things. It's important to actually learn something because I sat there for too long. I, that's where my faith ended. I got saved and it, ended, it stopped there for years and did me no good. What's the point of having all these tools to our hands? We're so powerful, but yet we don't use it. God just must be shaking his head going, I mean, how clearer can I make it? What is it about us that we don't want to do it? What, what, do we, what are we holding on to? See, faith is a 24-7 deal. You don't let up, not for one second, because your enemy does not let up. 1 Peter 5, 7-9 says, Be sober, be vigilant, because your adversary, the devil, walks, walks about like a roaring lion, seeking whom he may devour. Resist him steadfast in the faith, knowing that the same sufferings are experienced by your brotherhood in the world. We all experience the same things. We all experience the thoughts of doubt, the condemnation. It's just what are you doing about it? Are you letting it get to you or are you defeating it? Again, another reason to come to church. Sometimes we just need to have encouragement from someone else. 
We should always be encouraging each other, right? How many of you pray for other people in this place? We should, we should be. Like all week, I've been praying for Pastor Matt because God put it on my heart, so I did it. Who's God put? Who's, who's on your heart? Are you praying for them? There's a reason why. So we don't give up. We don't let up. We gotta. We've got to be persistent to the point we become annoying. You know, tenacity. Let's look at a parable in Luke 18, 1 to 8. This is Jesus teaching through parables. And he says, There was in a certain city a judge who did not fear God nor regard man. Now there was a widow in that city, and she had come to him saying, Get justice for me from my adversary. And he would not for a while. But afterward he said to himself, Though I do not fear God nor regard man, yet because this widow troubles me, I will avenge her, lest by her continual coming she wearies me. Then the Lord said, Hear what the unjust judge said. And shall God not avenge his own elect who cry out day and night to him, though he bears long with them? I tell you that he will. Avenge them speedily. Nevertheless, when the Son of Man comes, will he really find faith on earth? There's Jesus talking about faith again. Will he find faith? If Jesus turned up today, would he find faith in this room? I believe so, because you're all here. Don't doubt yourself. Seriously. Don't condemn yourself. You all have faith. You're here. Give yourself some credit. Seriously. Start thinking positive. You have faith. Every single one of you have faith. It's up to you what you want to do with it. Pat yourself on the back. You made it. You're here. It's a good starting point. Is it not? This is the way. Cool. I might keep doing that. So this is the parable of the persistent widow and the unjust judge. Jesus was using this parable to teach his disciples about being persistent and praying always in faith and to never give up. So here we have an unjust judge who has no fear of God, no compassion for the people under his jurisdiction. Now a judge in those days in the Jewish community was expected to be impartial, judge righteously, and to recognize that judgment ultimately belongs to God. But this judge in this story was incompetent, unqualified for the job, and justice was not being served. You know, eventually the judge said to himself, I do not fear God or care about people, but this woman is driving me crazy. I'm going to see that she gets justice because she is wearing me out with her constant requests. That's what faith does to the enemy. It wears them out because faith is unmovable. It doesn't go anywhere unless you let it. All you've got to do is stand on the word, remind yourself of it. It's not hard work. Stop thinking it's hard. It's not. It's actually very simple. Just do it. It says you resist and he will flee. Does it not? The widow gets justice she was seeking. Then Jesus explains his point. If an uncaring, unfit, ungodly judge answers with justice in the end, how much more will a loving and holy father give what is right to his children? Hey. Is Jesus saying you don't need 
to be like that, you just have to have faith in it and you get it straight away. But when you're dealing with the enemy out there, you kind of have to be persistent because he's dumb. He doesn't get it. Well, he doesn't. He tries it on because he knows he's trying to wear you out. But it's the other way around. He can't. He can't wear you out. He, lets, he makes you think you can, you know? You look at society. It's all done on purpose. Nowadays, both parents have to work, right? The kids are at school or daycare all day. After the dinner and everything's done, you have, your parents have 10 minutes with your kids. Wow. What are they learning in that 24 hours of the day and you've got 10 minutes? You're, you're, that's not right. That's not right. Especially what they're learning in the schools now. I heard a guy, he said he was talking to his son. This is the situation I was talking about. His son started talking about something and he turned around and said, that is not true. And he goes, yeah, well, I heard it at school. We go, well, that is not true. That's not even in history. So if you're only spending 10 minutes with your kids, how do you know what they're learning? This is the generation that's coming next. It's all part of design, eh? If, if you can't see it. It's a system that's, that's designed against you. It always has been. Because it's not God's system. We're not of this world. When you're born again, you're born into a new realm. You're a citizen of heaven. Which is far more powerful than any system on the planet. Just stop having two feet in both. Put, put both feet in heaven. Our job's to bring heaven to earth, not to wait to go there. Is it not? This is the way. <laughs> Very quiet. I feel like I need a bit more excitement in here. Now you want to be fired up? Huh? Where's all the amens in there? You know, the Richard Bennett's. Come on. Come on, Gordon. Richard? You got it in you. <laughs> it does actually encourage the preacher, by the way. Yeah. Because when you're silent, I think you're like, oof. Oh, dear. I'm not coming back here again. Yeah. <laughs> so we, we do not always get immediate results when we pray. Our definition of swift justice is not the same as the Lord's either. But the parable demonstrates the effective prayer requires tenacity of faith, persistence. We must learn that faith never gives up and is based on absolute trust in God. Absolute trust. We can fully count on the Lord to answer when and where and how he chooses, so we ought to be people of persistent faith. Jesus says, Jesus says believe you receive, meaning believe you've had it now. It might not manifest straight away, but it ain't going to manifest ever if you're believing it will eventually come. You've got to believe you've already received it. Do we get that? Do we get that point? Maybe we've got to be careful what comes out of here. How many messages have we heard, especially from Pastor Robin, about the power of tongue? Even she tells me off sometimes. Even, well, even yesterday, didn't I? Because I was losing it yesterday. <laughs> so I was saying things I shouldn't have said. But I had to go back and I had to pray against that and put my faith back in God. None of us are perfect. I am what I am, like Paul said. Just God, you know... 
Sometimes you think as a Christian you've got to be someone else. No, no, you've just got to be yourself. God just brings out the best of you. Stop trying to be someone else because you'll never be that person. Stop pretending. It's, too much, it's hard work. It doesn't, doesn't profit you anything. You're the way you are because that's the way God made you for a reason. So learn to love yourself. It's something I've got to learn. Mm. All right, let's look at authority. Faith and authority. Luke 10 verse 19. This is Jesus talking to the disciples. He says, Behold, I give you the authority to trample on serpents and scorpions and over all the power of the enemy and nothing shall by any means hurt you. See, this is an authority, a direct authority Jesus has given us. We have the power over all the enemy. Is that not something to be excited about? We have the power to cast demons out, send them back to hell. Hello. There's a lot of demonic activity out there. We have the power over it. Do we not? How is that not exciting? Come on. Come on. Let's show a little bit more happiness. It's not ho-hum, you know. Come on. It's the happy gospel. It's good news. He's strengthened us. He's made us something else that we could never dream of. Stop living up here and start living in here because this is where God is. God's not up here. He's never up here. He's always here. If you're getting attacked up here heaps, I remember Fergus says, just drop down to your heart because that's where God is. See, it's understanding that we are under God's authority. Understanding that God has given us authority. Knowing this knowledge mixed with your faith is actually very powerful and Jesus actually calls it great faith. I'll give you the example. Matthew 8, 5-13. This is the story of the centurion. Who, I remind you, wasn't a Christian, wasn't a Pharisee, a Jew or anything. He was a Roman soldier. In fact, he... Before that, he was probably, you'd call him an atheist or a pagan because they didn't believe in God. They believed in other things. But it says, When Jesus had entered Capernaum, a centurion came to him asking for help. Lord, he said, my servant lies at home paralyzed, suffering terribly. Jesus said to him, Shall I come and heal him? How good is Jesus? He heals all, whether you're a Christian or not. Hey. You don't need to be a Christian to receive healing. That's not how it works. Jesus came to heal all. All. Then the centurion replied, Lord, I do not deserve to have you come under my roof, but just say the word and my servant will be healed. For I myself am a man under authority with soldiers under me. I tell this one go and he goes and that one come and he comes. I say to my servant, do this and he does it. When Jesus heard this, he was amazed and said to those following him, Truly I tell you, I have not found anyone in Israel with such great faith. Anyone in Israel. That's a big statement. There's a lot of people you would class as part of Israel that were men of faith. And he's saying this guy, who's not even a Christian, had great faith. Why? Because he understood authority. He just happened to stumble across faith. And it just look how much more powerful it became. The centurion understood authority as he, was under, as he was under it. He also had men under him as well. He understood this because he was a soldier, a commander. He knew the chain of command. There is a chain of command. 
to understand, you know, do you see that without authority your faith is diddly squat? It means nothing. Authority is much more powerful than power itself. They go hand in hand. You need faith and authority together. Then they're useless without each other. But authority alone is more powerful than any other power. I'll give you an example. Imagine there's a guy standing out on the road and there's a big 18-wheeler truck coming down at him and then that's, that's you know, he's not going to stop that. He's going to get squashed. That's, that's a representative of power. Now, you put a uniform and a badge on him and some blue flashing lights, that truck's going to stop, isn't it? Was it power that stopped it? Was authority. Was it his authority? No, it was authority given to him. He was representing authority. Hello, that's who, that's us. We represent God. We also represent his authority. We also sit under the pastor's authority. That's why it's good to honour one another. Don't show dishonour, especially to your pastor. Because you're under their authority. You are. If you've accepted them as your pastor in your heart, which you need to do. If you haven't, then you're wasting your time. See, it'll make no difference how much power is going on. Authority will always shut it down. Isn't that amazing? And we have the highest authority in the universe. There is no, nothing greater. Nothing greater. Two Corinthians five seven says, "For we walk by faith and not by sight." It says what it says. Faith is not based on emotions. Just because we're in a good mood today, or we feel positive, that's not faith. That's just being in a good mood. Yesterday I was in a very bad mood. But that you know, I didn't. In the end, I, I reminded myself of who of the God I serve. I had to remind myself of the word. I had to remind myself it's not based on what I'm feeling. I've still got to turn up and do a job, so I put my faith in the Holy Spirit. I put all my confidence in the Holy Spirit and leave it up to God. We're co-laborers, remember? He wants to work alongside us. So let's start working alongside him. Faith is not based on emotions. Remember that. It's not based on sight or what you hear. Only when you come to hear the word, but I'm, you know what I mean. Someone can tell you, oh, you're not going to get healed. No, no, that's rubbish. I already know in my heart I'm healed. Because you will get that. You're going to get negative Nancys that don't believe. You've got to either get rid of them in your life or ignore them. Stay around positive, faith-based people. That's how your faith grows. Let's take, for example, Peter again. So Peter and the disciples were on a boat this one time and Jesus walked on the water and they all freaked out because they couldn't see who it was and Jesus says, do not be afraid. Do not be afraid because fear is the opposite of faith. You have fear, your faith's gone. Faith and fear cannot coexist. It's one or the other, eh? Yeah. You might feel fear. doesn't mean you haven't got faith long as you're reminding yourself, like fear, like I said, I have to remind myself of that scripture, that God did not give me a spirit of fear, but a spirit of power and love and of a sound mind. Every time I feel, feel like fear is trying to come over me, I remind myself and I stand on that scripture, and that's it. End of story. I know it works, and I've seen what it does. 
I've shared that before. So Peter, Peter said to Jesus, you tell me to come, Lord, and I'll come, and I'll walk on the water. So Jesus says, come, and Peter walked on the water. It was his faith that did that. But then what happened is what usually happens when you're using your faith and exercising it is a storm arises. All the bad thoughts come, the doubts. Look at you, you can't do that. The water got rough, things get a bit rough. He took his eyes off Jesus and looked at the problem and he sunk like a stone instantly because fear got in. But what did Jesus do? Jesus held his hand out. But Peter still had to decide, I'm going to get back up and grab the Lord's hand. Again, there's your free will. You decide. You can sit there and have your pity party as long as you want. It ain't going to change anything. He took his hand and Jesus saved him. Jesus always saves if you let him. He's our saviour. He hasn't stopped saving you. We always need our saviour. We're not perfect. Are we not? Unless you're perfect. I mean, if you are, tell me because I'd like to see it. I'd like to know how you did it. We cannot base our faith on circumstances, feelings. We base it on the word. That's it. Simple as that. There's no magic formula to it. No 12-step program. As Jesus says, only believe. He said that quite a bit. Because it's by faith that we live. You know, Hebrews 11.5 says, By faith Enoch was taken away so that he did not see death and was not found because God had taken him. But before he was taken, he had this testimony that he pleased God. How do you please God? Yeah. He had so much faith and a relationship with God that God says, oh, just come up. Wow. Must have been special, that one. And I believe Elijah and Enoch, were, like Pastor Robin said last week, were the only ones, were they not, taken directly to heaven because of their faith. They totally believed. Nothing against Abraham. These guys had great faith. But there must have been something different about them. There must have been something. Galatians 3.11 says, But the one who is justified by the law in the sight of God is evident, for the just shall live by faith. Who are the just? Yep. We are all just. We've all been made right with God. We're all right standing with Almighty God. We all have the right to come to his throne and ask him for anything and praise him. We have a right. All because God said, I'm going to put myself, my son, on the cross and I'm going to take away the law and I'm going to make you my righteousness on you. Everyone say, I am the righteousness of God. This is the way. That's another thing that I didn't learn when I got saved. Like I said, I just I got saved and left it there. I didn't know I was made to righteousness. If I'd knew known that, things could have been different. Try doing that in the morning. Wake up and walk out the door and say, I am the righteousness of God. When something bad happens to you or you have bad thoughts, say, I am the righteousness of God. Start changing things in your life. You have the power to do it. Our faith in God through Christ is our core foundation of which our lives as Christians are built. Faith is what makes him become real in our lives. Whenever we allow unbelief to get the best of us, we literally just turn God off. You know, unbelief is a poison for the unsaved and the saved. 
as well as our relationship with God. Our maturity, along with our ability to endure life's bad circumstances, will be based on the type of faith we have in, with him. We all go through stuff. Look at Paul, the stuff he went through, but he always was rejoicing in the Lord. Pastor Robin always reminds me, especially yesterday, didn't you? <laughs> I was not rejoicing in the Lord. But she reminded me to say, rejoice in the Lord always. Paul had it rough. He was shipwrecked, beaten, bitten by a poisonous snake, arrested, thrown in prison, all sorts of stuff. But that didn't stop him from preaching the gospel. That didn't stop him from healing people. That didn't stop him from spreading the message, did it? And he didn't complain. He knew God was with him the entire time. He had peace in his heart. And that's what matters. It doesn't matter how big the storm is. If you can walk through a storm with peace in your heart, you've won. This storm means nothing. We all go through stuff. It's just how you want to handle it. How do you want to handle it? Jesus said that to don't carry the burden, give it to him to carry. He will carry our burdens. Give thanks and everything in supplication and prayer. Be anxious for nothing. Therefore, let's please God through the means of trusting him in the way that reflects his character. This is the way. You know, Jesus is the way, the truth, and he is the only way to the Father, like Pastor Ron was talking last week. He is the only truth that you need to know. He is the only way. There is no other way. Stop climbing that mountain. Some people think doing good works all their life will get them to heaven. Well, I'm sorry, it doesn't. You can be the best person in the world and do the best good works you could ever think of. It will mean nothing unless you have faith, unless you've given your heart to Jesus. We are expected to do good works, but good works isn't the reason. You don't do good works to gain favour. You do it out of a love for the people. Do you not? You know, I know, some, I know some people have come here today with hope for healing, for saving, for a miracle. Can I, get, can I get the band up, please? Can I get everyone just to close their eyes for a second? So, the best decision I ever did was giving my heart to Jesus. My life was going in a complete different direction until I did that. In fact, I actually was an atheist, believe it or not. I actually decided when I was 12, I don't believe in God. I believe that when we die, the worms eat us and that's it. How depressing is that? But I made that decision at 12. I'll never forget it. I used to believe in God as a kid, even though I wasn't brought up in a church. I just inherently, I think most, I think kids always believe in God. That's why the kids are attacked all the time. You know why? They're the closest to God until they reach an age of, yeah, that's why the kids are always attacked. That's why abortion is such a big controversial thing. Because they're the closest thing to God. Okay, and the, and the, and the other evil, the bad, pe the bad guys, the demons, don't want that. So what do they do? They think by hurting the kids, they're hurting God. That's the real reason why kids are either aborted, child trafficked, or all of that crap. That's the only reason, is to get back at God. The, until you wake up to the fact that that's what's going on, you know, But that can all be stopped when the church finally realises its place. 
just like in a blink of an eye. Are we going to be the ones to start it? Yeah? No? Don't care? So with your eyes closed, I just want to say, if anyone here is wanting to give their heart to Jesus, it is a step of faith. If you feel like that's something you want to do today, I just ask you to raise your hand. I see that hand. If there's anyone here, if you're a Christian, but you know, you, you know you've turned away from God. See, repentance means to turn away. To turn away from what you're doing and go back to God. If that's you, I just want you to raise your hand. If you know you're not right with God, you know that you need to do better, you know that you're going in the wrong direction, just put your hand up. That's your act of faith. Is there anyone here like that? Is there anyone here that's needing a miracle? I came here believing miracles, signs and wonders. Did you? How many of us turned up to church believing that? You've got to believe it. All right, can I, you can open your eyes. Can I have everyone stand up? Can I get, uh, Amy, can you please bring up your friend? Can I get the pastors to please lead her into salvation? Thank you, Father. Oh, we serve an awesome God. There is no other like you. They'll never want, it's just, it's so amazing. I don't know how we can't see it. I just thank you for your Holy Spirit, Father God. You know, God's here, eh? I can sense him. He's here in the room. If you want to sense God, switch your mind off, drop to your heart. I just hand it over to Darcy.